This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Otago Access Radio, in partnership with Otago Polytech, brings you Blowing Bubbles. Blowing Bubbles brings you positive conversations with people in their bubbles around the world. How are people living their bubble lives? Working from home, keeping kids entertained, and staying connected and getting exercise. And how are these things presenting us with the opportunities to find new ways of living? Every weekday, the Sustainable Lens team of Samuel Mann, Shan Gallagher and Mara Karatai reach out from their bubbles to chat with interesting and positive people around the world. Broadcast on Otago Access Radio 105.4 FM and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz and sustainablelens.org. Bringing connection, joy, kindness and peace in the days ahead. Welcome to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. I'm Samuel Mann in Soyuz Bay, Dunedin, and I am joined by Mawera Karatai in Fakatani. Kia ora, Mawera. How are you? Very well. Pretty good for a Friday. Yay for Fridays. What does the weekend hold for you? Well, my to-do list this week has exploded. In, in unexpected ways that, that couldn't be predicted or avoided. I've been telling people today that my to-do list needed a building permit to exist. <laughs> so I'm going to be really what? strict and not do any of that over the weekend. Good. What's, the, what's going to be the most fun thing on the list? That's the first thing to do. Fun thing on the list? Yeah. Oh, I'll have to go back to my list and look at what the most fun thing is. Where's my list? Oh, I've got to make a diagram. That sounds fun. fun. I like making diagrams. I've got to finish making a mask. Got to finish making a mask for someone. (laughs) Thank you for that. (laughs) All right, put that first and then do the diagram and make the diagram last so long people get sick of waiting for the other things and just do them themselves. (laughs) Uh, I'm not sure that's going to happen. And today we are joined by Matt Shepard. Yorta, how are we? Wanaka. Yes, based in Wanaka. How's how Wanaka going for you? Oh, it's been it's another beautiful day in Wanaka today. Um, it's ch- chilling down a bit, but real lack of snow on the mountains, which is causing quite a few problems for us ski ski people that want to head up there every day, and it's just a bit icy. You could do with some more snow. Well, we could certainly do with some more snow and it would to miss the last bunch that came through earlier in the week. Um, but we'll do with what we've got. So how has your bubble life been? How has the, the lockdown been for you? I'm talking about the first lockdown. We'll get on to the second lockdown. Oh, the first lockdown was um, quite a new experience for me. I, um, my parents live across in Europe, so I moved in with some, um, some family friends that I made from my first year at university and moved into their bubble for the six weeks and it was quite an unusual experience living with three people I've never lived with before and they never lived with me but um and we got on like a house on fire and um honestly I had a really really good time and came out of it with a lot of positive experiences what are your parents doing in England oh, sorry in Europe uh, so my parents uh, live over there I'm uh, here as a international student I'm still studying at the university in Otago um but they're doing their own thing over there with my brother and um, they're keeping themselves very, very busy in what's a very different situation over there as it is over here. So did you manage to work from home? Yeah, so I was teaching at the university last semester, so became very well acquainted with a lovely piece of software that we all have in the terms of Zoom. Um, And I was teaching sort of eight to nine hours a day um, during lockdown, which certainly gave me some structure. Um, but was certainly a new experience for my first semester of teaching. So you didn't move online, you've, you've started online. Yeah, it was. I sort of got about one week of teaching before we went, ah, oh, okay, we're going to take this online, and my entire teaching experience is online, and I'm not teaching this semester if that says too much about how I found it. Had you met the, the students before? You met them in that first yeah. week? Yeah, we were really lucky that we managed to get that first two weeks together. So um, it was quite an odd experience. No one liked to turn their cameras on when we were teaching on Zoom. 
Um, but it was good that we could already put um, a face to those names before we uh, had to kick into the rest of that teaching program online. Let's go straight to the first of your music choices. Let's have Fleetwood Mac's Dreams. Why this one? Oh, it's just one of my favourite songs from my childhood, really. Dad used to play this one in the car a lot and uh, thought it'd be a really good one to put on the radio. So were you in Dunedin during the, the lockdowns, the first one? Christchurch. Christchurch? So I travelled up, uh, up to Christchurch, yeah. And then moved to Wanaka? Yeah, so Christchurch and then was back to Dunedin for a quick spout while I um, finished off a few extra product projects and um, then decided that 
I'd learned how to use the online platform well, that I could continue to do my study and communicate with who I needed to online. Uh, the mountains are my my place to be. And I thought, why not go and live there and work remotely if I'm fortunate enough to have the ability to do that? So did you find a place to live? You're, you're not sleeping in a car on the ski field? No, not sitting in the car on the ski field. It, it took us a lot longer than we thought it would to find a house in Wanaka, but... Now there's four of us who are living here together now in a um, cool three-bedroom house up on, up on the hill in Wanaka, and it's just the dream location. And you are managing to carry on studying yourself? Yeah, so study's still uh, continuing pretty much as it was before. Um, a lot of my stuff is all computer-based. Um, my research is based down in Antarctica, so it's out of reach as it is. Um, so. I'm really fortunate that my supervisors are happy to, to call me on Zoom and I'm happy to call them, but make the trip back to Needham when necessary. So you're going to have to tell us about your research now. Oh, well, I guess. Yes, I'm, I'm studying sort of the atmospheric and topographical controls of meltwater in Antarctica. So basically where the water is melting and where it's ending up, and then we're going to try and work out why it's there and what's causing it. So did you Quite get to cool go? Topic. I didn't get to go, and unfortunately, the lack of field campaigns going down this year is going to delay the possibility of that trip till sometime in 2021 if it happens. So um, I just have to understand everything about the continent before I get the chance to go and have a visit. So you're going to manage to make writing up your thesis take a year and a half so that you have to go? There, well, starting it, starting it in August, I'm hoping that It'll be finished in August and then maybe the September, October season starts and they need someone to go down with a little bit of help. When I was studying, people were choosing their research so that they could, get, could go to Antarctica. Was that your plan? That, well, it definitely was something that entertained the topic to me. <laughs> um, it was between that or studying the high alpine and the southern Alps. And I was like, well... Oh. If there's an opportunity to get down to the continent that not many people get to, then I would definitely take up my chances with that one. Sean had us counting pebbles in the Fox and Franz Joseph outwash. So as trialling for his using those techniques in Antarctica, we didn't get to go to Antarctica. We just froze in those rivers. Mm. Yeah, it's, it is bitterly cold down there sometimes. It's glacial outwash plains in those rivers are not a warm place to be having hiked and camped on the side of some of them so what's the feeling like in in wanaka is it a a normal season for the for the ski bum community well honestly we it's been crazy busy um i think wanaka had really prepared itself for um for quite a um for quite a busy uh, a quite quiet season, sorry. Um, and then I, my girlfriend went up to the mountain today and it was, she said, queuing for 15 minutes and the car parks were full again. Um, so I think just people have come down from the North Island and have gone, oh, we can't go on holiday somewhere else. So why don't we go and enjoy the the, uh, the beauty of the, the Southern Alps and everything that we have to offer down here? So actually it's felt really, really busy in town. Most of the restaurants are busy. Um, even the cafes and coffee shops fully packed so i think it's been quite the season we weren't expecting when i decided to move to wanaka i thought the mountains were going to be sort of a quiet haven for those of us that like to go and spend their time up there but we haven't really had much of that which in its own way is great for the the local economy um that it's managed to to keep itself busy and booming but i guess for some of us greedy skiing type uh, we, we would have liked it to have been a little bit quieter up there Matt, I saw you earlier in the week at a meeting of the Regional Centre of Expertise on Education for Sustainable Development. What's your involvement in that? Uh, so my involvement in that is I'm the, the youth coordinator. Um, so I've been pulling youth from sort of all corners of Otago um, together to try and work amongst some of the working groups that are focused around trying to sort of achieve and uh, create projects for some of Otago's um, issues or some of the problems that we've highlighted that we believe that the community and a wide variety of stakeholders needs to, to come together and sort of work towards. Um, and we're just trying to make sure that 
youth has a really strong voice at the table, uh, or not just a voice, I'm, I'm actually um, really trying to push for youth projects um, coming to the table um, and being sort of delivered on to make sure that the sort of a delivery of uh, projects that make for quite an exciting future in Otago. I think we've got a really good chance and a really cool opportunity to sort of stop and reset um, and set up a really sustainable future for the region. Um, and I really want youth to be a really strong component of that. And the RCE has set itself up in a way that they're really open and inviting to that. Um, and I'm just really fortunate to be in the position where I am that I get to go and meet lots of the youth and bring them together and um, try and make sure that there are youth set around the table that are going to have an impact um, and also represent their communities in, in uh, a strong and powerful way. What do they need or expect, perhaps, of of the centre, but of, of sustainable development in general, perhaps? As the youth are you talking about in yeah. that aspect? Well, I think, I think the youth uh, have also, and a lot of the people that I associate out of my friends are really see the, the, the period we've been through and the, how fortunate we are in New Zealand to be able to sort of still continue most of our daily lives as a real opportunity to sort of springboard um, what we have here, especially those that are based um, in Otago and the region is a real opportunity to, to help build a different path. Um, lots of my friends, I'm a geography student by heart, so are very geography and sustainability related. Um, and lots of them see this as a really, really cool opportunity to um, to do that. And, and the centre is providing quite a cool network for that. Um, Sam, you also work as part of the group that I'm in for education. Um, and we've got school principals, we've got um, CEOs of the Polytech, we've got um, the UNESCO chair for um, open education, Wayne McIntosh, and all the other groups are made up of these very senior stakeholders that for sort of the first time in this region have come together and gone, let's do something together that will benefit the wider community rather than just the individual groups they're used to working with. So if we make a point of listening to younger voices from this from the youth voice voices, what should we be hearing? I think we should be hearing what the youth would like to see their tomorrow hold. Um, I think when I was growing up and when I was at school, I didn't really get the opportunity to kind of push forward my my ideas and some of the things that I've been thinking about. Um, and I found, having lived in Otago now for five years, a very receptive group. Um, I've been fortunate to work with the Untouched World Foundation based out of Christchurch, and I've had a really good platform to use my voice. Um, and I now want to be able to use the position I'm in to help other people who may not have had the chance to get their voice. Um, or put their voice to the table. I really want to help facilitate some of that discussion so that um, we can meet each other and then we can make sure that um, their voice is also delivered to the table in a way that is representative of the whole region and allows them to speak up on issues that are very much focused around them. Um, we had a conversation in one of the working groups the other day um, around some of the things we were working towards, but the youth that I'd speaking to, mental health and wellbeing was actually a very common topic but wasn't something we were particularly working to. And I've been able to bring that to the chairs meetings and the different uh, working groups that I'm in. And it's now something that's been sort of moved up the hierarchy of things that we want to discuss to make sure that there is an opportunity for that to be discussed in the region and, and hopefully some projects can come out of that. And it was very much a sort of youth led idea. And um, again, something that hadn't been thought about, but it was really cool that um, the younger generation were able to bring that to the table. There's still quite a feeling that sustainability is really about environmental. And, and yeah, I think I think I think you're right on that one. I think I mean when I grew up and when I was at school, to me, sustainability was about climate change and um, what was happening in our rivers and uh, what was happening to the forests. But actually, to me now, sustainability is a lot more than that. You've got social sustainability, economic sustainability, um, and Really, it's not until you sort of look at those sustainable development goals and really bring them all together that you learn how interconnected they are as well. And that, I mean, the effects that are happening on the environment really do affect the way that we sort of live our own lives. And they also affect the way that we make our money and the jobs and job security. So there really is that quite interconnectedness. And about the RC is really about trying to create a sustainable future for the region. And that sustainability is to make sure that uh, people that have got jobs, uh, people are 
uh, well, there's job security, there's um, equal rights for everybody, but also at the same time, we live in one of the most pristine and beautiful regions on the planet, in my opinion, um, and we've got to protect that. Um, it's a lot of what we, we sell our product. We invite people to come and see it as tourists, and um, whether that be internationally or at the moment nationally, we're clearly seeing quite an increase. I mean, and New Zealand said that in June, July, and August, they put on more flights this year than they did last year. Um, and we've not got any international tourists coming in, which I really think highlights quite what the special thing is that Otago has to offer, um, that we really are the gateway to the outdoors. Bubble Sprite of the Forest of Orokunui, Dunedin's favourite goddess, Tahu Mackenzie. Kia ora koutou, nā mihi aroha nui, kia koutou, ko tahoho. I hope you're all having the best day. Beautiful superstars in your beloved universes. And I really hope that wherever you are and whatever is happening around you, this journey that we're all on together is proving to be very nourishing, very rewarding and is illuminating for you more and more each day who you are, a triumph of nature's art, perfect, unique and here making things better. Thank you. So I've had a very interesting day and of course I've been very excited to talk to you all about it. I'm so grateful for these five minutes that we have together every day. Thank you. It's been a huge support to me and I know that for all of us we are all supporting each other through this journey of healing and recovery and re-emergence back into a safe and supportive consensus reality and of course in my own personal universe I have been echoing this with my journey from very exciting mystery fevers and being cared for at Stunedin Public Hospital to now recovering at home and next week I am scheduled to triumphantly re-emerge into consensus reality and I'll be back at my heart's home beautiful Orokanoi Eco Sanctuary which I'm very excited about and I'm really hoping that when I get back I'll be able to reconnect obviously with my dear friend Waimaria the eel and the Takahe who I'm hoping going to start nesting soon and I'll be able to see all my favourite trees like Mamamiro and see all the flowers that are starting to emerge of course as we spring into spring and so I'm very excited to go back there particularly today I have been really struck by the potential for us to enshrine all aspects of our lives and really support ourselves to draw great pleasure and meaning and a sense of connection and presence in everything that we do via the use of ceremony or reframing and re-experiencing all aspects of our life in terms of a ceremony of offering and of course this relates back to that sense of reciprocity that I'm sure we all see around us every day that we are part of this infinite web of life that we are contributing unique skills to this unfolding journey of co-evolution and that we are constantly receiving gifts and offerings and support and love from the world around us and all life of which we are connected to and a part of and for me today something that I've really loved of course about being in recovery mode at home it's been the opportunity to really take my time with things and I think when we do have a bit more time and space we are able to approach things in a more ceremonial and appreciative and attuned manner and what that's meant for me today is when I've been packing up our wonderful native bird feeding anti-cat <laughs> protecting uh, beautiful peka peka bird feeders I've been able to look at each component of the bird feeder and think about the whole process that led to its creation so that whole journey that Harvey and I went on creatively to develop the, these bird feeder components and of course the all the relationships that we established in the community to now have them made in Mosgiel and the role that each of those components fulfill for the birds to care for the birds and protect them from these wonderful predatory in their nature 
wonderful cats who of course we all love and they're fantastic companions but in New Zealand of course they pose a great threat to our native birds and in thinking about each component and its role just really feeling that sense of gratitude and also feeling that sense of intention as I pack the orders that each component will fulfill its role and each component will serve our native birds in the best way. I just love putting that love and intention into each package and I think I know for me that really amplified the joy and the pleasure that I felt in that very simple task which I'm doing every day and it helped me to reflect on the process that led me to where I am today and feel really grateful so I hope that for all of you you can experience aspects of your daily lives in this way reframed by the beauty and the power and the the meaning and the intention of ceremony in whatever way works best for you and I'll look forward to talking to you tomorrow. Thanks so much. Kakite. You're talking about a reset. Other people are talking about a recovery. Do you think it's a recovery to a, a business as usual? Back to normal or is it something else? Well, I, I think it's a little bit of both. I think a recovery is required. But I also think that a reset in some ways is really important. Um, I know from having read lots of literature and seen lots of examples that um, operating a business in a really sustainable fashion can actually be really good for your like, economic side and the way that um, um, people work within those operations. But there isn't a lot known about them and there aren't that many examples. So lots of people like to return to business as usual and what there was before. Um, so yes, we want people to recover because we want those businesses to boom back and we want people to become re-employed and that's all part of the social sustainability. And um, But at the same time, there's a, this little bit of a chance for a reset for some of these businesses to go, okay, this is how we operated before and we could sort of put a sustainability lens over that and go, oh, maybe this is how we could operate more sustainably and efficiently in the future. Um, so I think there's an element of both recovery um, as well as a bit of a reset. I was, I was actually in a meeting earlier today and we were talking about the fact that although we've got probably a slight drop in the numbers of people coming down from Auckland because we've got this sort of second wave of lockdown, it gives a lot of these businesses who have been very heavy hosting national um, visitors and tourists and now they haven't got quite so many. They can look at how can they improve the way they've been dealing with those national visitors and how can we really sort of incorporate the locals back into the way that we or the local people within the nation of New Zealand back into the way that we operate rather than relying so heavily on just tourists to come in and create the vibe and create the atmosphere that has so often been seen in Wanaka and Queenstown over the last couple of years. Um, it's amazing to see the high streets and things filled down here just full of locals. Um, I've got friends who for years have decided they didn't want to go out down into Queenstown because it was just full of tourists that now go out a couple of nights a week for a wandering town and, and for drinks on the shore. What do you think we can learn from how we've responded to the pandemic for the longer term, bigger questions, intergenerational questions of climate change and social justice and so on? I think we've learned that as a nation, we can be very respondent to change. Um, I think we really showed that when when Jacinda put the message to us that we were the team of five million and we all needed to act, I don't personally know of anyone that went, I really don't want to do that. Everyone kind of went, oh, okay, cool. I see that we have an issue. Okay, the pandemic was a very sudden rush of an issue. But to me, climate change is very much a very similar issue and that we don't know if we've already surpassed that tipping point or we're at the tipping point. So whereas the pandemic was, okay, we know it started now, we need to act. Climate change for me, we, we probably needed to start acting 10, 20 years ago. And I think we have this really cool mentality and I hope people keep up with it in that, okay, we have another issue. Let's keep working towards that while we're all working as a bit of a team. And I see this RCE, that Sam, that we work uh, working towards as a really cool opportunity to keep working on that momentum of there being quite a community spirit. Um, and while we've got that community spirit, I think, why not try and keep running with it? We've certainly discovered that we can change. It's going to be difficult for anybody that says, no, we couldn't possibly do that. 
because we're going to be able to say, well, actually, look, in 2020, you did stuff. I think, that's, I think there's a lot of examples of things that have happened this year that we would have thought were quite crazy at the start of it, that now we're like, okay, if we can deal with that, we can probably deal with some of these other problems that we've just sort of been sitting in half-heartedly dealing with. So I think, I think as a country, and I mean, we do, we have lived the COVID experience a little bit different to lots of other countries around the world. And we did act and we acted quickly and we got back to the lives um, that we wanted to live quite quickly. And I think we can really be a bit of an example to the rest of the world of how to, to respond to a problem if we keep responding to some of these other issues like climate change as, they, as we continue to work with them. What do you think is the role of having a, a positive vision? The, the communication that we've had from the government almost entirely hasn't been negative. There was only one little bit about that sort of dob and your neighbour stuff. All the rest of it has been a positive. You know, this, this, just the notion of the team of five million is a is a positive vision. Do you think that that's important for, for those longer term problems as well? I, I think positivity is is the key to working towards some of these problems. I I just remember my, my favourite TED talk I've ever watched is an Al Gore TED talk. And it's the first one I listened to on climate change where he actually talks about some of the progress we were making around the world, around removing some uh, like factories and fossil fuels and the increase in electric cars and solar panels. And that's one that will always stick with me as a way that, okay, he told a story that we know it has quite negative outcomes around the world, but he told it in a very positive manner. Um, and I, I just think that's a really important way. We've, we've got the role model of Jacinda as well, in terms of that we've had something that's been very hard to deal with with a lot of people, for a lot of people, but she's actually been quite positive in the way she's communicated that. Um, and I, I'm just using my example from the Al Gore and Jacinda as sort of I think keep positive going forward. I mean, we have to remind ourselves of the trouble that they go with. Otherwise, we, we don't sort of connect or understand that problem. But being positive in our mindset going forward, for me, is really important to help making that change long lasting. It's an interesting balance for something like, say, climate change or biodiversity or any of those sorts of things that we have to have only just enough for people to actually want to make a difference because otherwise like we've had for so long you know climate change doesn't start next tuesday it's just tr- tr- trickling along under the radar no i think i think you're absolutely right you, there, there needs to be enough of that i don't want to call it scaremongering but realism um of some of the things that are occurring and it's for me my passion where i go in the future will be in sustainability but i study my degree in sort of climate change and, and ice so I can kind of tell that story from a very science perspective. And I think, I mean, we all love watching the David Attenborough documentaries and we all we all walk away from them going, wow, what is happening to the planet around us? But then we, lots of people don't really do anything after that. And I think there needs to be some realism in like, okay, we are actually making change and we just need to keep progressing that. And it's that positivity knowing that you can make a difference yourself and as a group, as a university, you can make a difference. As a region, we can make a difference. And that positivity sort of inspires more positivity and, and helps continue on that change. And I mean, we managed to do that and we managed to come out of level four very rapidly. And we seem to have, for the time being, contained the, the wee outbreak we've got up in Auckland. So I think we've shown that a positive response to things can lead to a positive um, outcome in the future. How is New Zealand's response being viewed from, say, from your parents? What are they reporting? Well, my, my, my parents seem to think that we've absolutely nailed it because most of the response of the international media has been, woo, go New Zealand. They seem to have cracked the, cracked the entire um, the case of this, this COVID thing. But then we very quickly in the international media got slated for these couple of cases, these well, 50, 60, 70 cases that have um, arisen in Auckland. Um, but they, Jacinda, I think, has been hailed as a bit of a um, an amazing leader around the world. She's my parents seem to see her pop up on the BBC News very frequently. Um, but I think they look at us as somewhere they would like to be. I know my parents have said to me a number of times on the phone that they wish they were down here with me right now um, and able to continue doing the things that they enjoy. But um, they understand that that where they are, they've got to work through their problems and in the way that their countries are dealing with them.
do you think we should be actively teaching that style of leadership, that style of communication? Well, I, I think Jacinda is an incredible role model for her, her way of communication. Um, but I think also that type of leadership works very well in some instances, but I'm not sure it would work. I'm not sure how it would work when you had a country of 300 million or 80 million. We, we're in quite a unique scenario where we're sort of an island nation on the bottom corner of the world of quite responsive, yeah, sure, it'll be right kind of people, which is really cool. But I mean, growing up in the UK, not many people are like that. And, and maybe that response wouldn't be quite the same over there. But I know a lot of um, the international media from all over the world has said that, wow, what an incredible um, leader and how lucky is New Zealand to have that. And, and I, I would reiterate that. How does the, or how could the RCE, the, the regional centre, engage the youth? And I'm, I'm thinking, how does it engage the youth that doesn't want to be engaged or aren't already in the space? Well, I think that's a really interesting question. Um, we, all, we always have these questions in in sort of the sustainability world and in anything, how do you how do you engage the disengaged? And I mean, there's always some people that will that never want to engage. But I think for the youth, a lot of it's around how their engagement is because they want to be listened. And I think it's often in a lot of scenarios, they're not given the chance to talk up to the people who are the real decision makers. Um, I think Otago Polytechnic is a really good example of this in the way that um, when Phil Kerr was a CEO, he would always come down for one or two days a week and have a very open session and talk to people that wanted to talk to him. And that's why I think the politics is a very progressive institution. But not many organisations are like that. And the youth don't often get the chance to be sort of actively listened and for things to be acted upon. Um, and I think really trying to bridge that hierarchical gap and that like, OK, guys, we're all in this together. We do actually have a really strong opinion. And I really want to help elevate that youth opinion. But at the same time, bring down that top tier of people that are working in those companies that aren't actively listening to youth and being like, these guys have some really cool ideas and opinions. I know they might be 40 years younger, 30 years younger, but it's also their future and they would like to have a voice on it. So I think for me and how I see it going forward, is just trying to close that gap between the people that are making decisions and the youth in a lot of instances. And I really hope that that will help re-engage. Some of those people that in the past have gone, I'm not going to engage because I don't really think I can make a difference. So of all of those societal changes that we've seen in the last few months, what do you think will stick and what do you hope will stick? Well, I really hope the, the level of community spirit will stick. stick. Um, I just think people just seem quite a lot friendlier out there at the moment. Um, and... I just think we've shown that we can we can come together on something. And and I will now say to people when they're like, oh, I'm not sure we can do that because it requires a lot of people. Well, we've just shown that as a country we can come together as 5 million. So all I'm asking is for 10 of us to come together and try and bring something pretty cool out of this. And there's, there's a really cool group of young people in Wanaka um, called Gen Wow. Um, they're part of um, – they work with Monique Kelly um, um, that used to be One New Zealand becoming We Are One. And – they, they've gone, okay, we're now a group of youth, uh, five of them at the moment. And there are a lot of young people in Queenstown and Wanaka who are sort of here because they've come from abroad and they haven't really got a home in New Zealand. And they're like, how can we really help give them a voice in the local community when they might not be able to vote? How can we, how can we engage them? But how can we really create a sense of community for people that have previously been very transient, especially in this sort of part of um, Otago? Most people sort of are here for one or two years before they move on. And now they could be here for quite a bit longer and, and, and setting up shop for a while. So I think there's some really cool things that youth are already like, okay, let's run with this idea and continue this community building and, and give someone the space to keep talking about these ideas and moving on from COVID into climate change and uh, mental well-being and, and trying to solve some of the other problems that are also ongoing in society at the moment. Let's take... The Grateful Dead, Shakedown Street. Why this one? Oh, I'll have to give this one. This is my girlfriend's favourite song. Um, so I was like, okay, when we were talking about this in the car yesterday, um, she was like, oh, can you put this one on the radio? And I was like, oh, God, then we'll squeeze one in. <laughs> Shakedown 
So I have some questions to end the show with. What is the biggest success you've had in the last couple of years? I was really, really, oh, I think the biggest success I've had was achieving my, my honours um, at the university. Um, it, was a, it was a lot of work. It was a lot of sweat and tears. Um, but I, I definitely think coming through the end of that and um, managing to get the grades that I was dreaming of was it's definitely my biggest success. Um, and one that I'm really, really proud of as well. So uh, I definitely have to say that one. Is that in geography? Yes. Uh, again, geography related, um, extreme weather events and lots of rain was involved. Um, but very cool topic. That's two of us with an honours degree in geography from Otago. Oh, there we go. As well, Moira. Was that a permission from you to stop work on my dog church? <laughs> no, you got to do that one as well. <laughs> Easy, and then Take you'll need a, then you'll need an MSc in geography as well. <laughs> I've run out of ifs on my student loan, Sam. <laughs> we are writing a book of these conversations. It's called Tomorrow's Heroes. It's our collection of people doing good work. So you're in our team. You're in our mansion. What's the superpower that's got you there? Oh, the superpower, risk-taking. The ability just to, like, down tools and go, I'm going to give that one a go. And I definitely think I've been a bit lucky in the outcome of some of them. Um, but that's a pretty cool one. Do you consider yourself to be an activist? 
an activist or a facilitator somewhere in between like i'm definitely very uh, vocal in my thoughts around climate change and things about uh, such as that but i'm not a an activist as some people would describe going out um and standing on the corner of an oil rig but i definitely like to facilitate that conversation um people are really kind of talking about some of those issues and i get that's my sort of activism what motivates you what gets you out of bed in the morning um, the hope that I can make some change um, and and leave some lasting good. Um, as I say, I'm I'm still here as a bit of an international student at the moment. I'm hoping to apply for my residency at the start of the year. But if that's not to fruition, I would love to know that I've left my mark in a positive way on New Zealand um, for wherever I go next. So, what challenge are you looking forward to in the next couple of years? I think the next challenge is going to be trying to get my master's thesis. <laughs> I mean, it seems very academic again, but I, I know having set up in the last three weeks what I'm doing, um, it's going to be, I don't know if I've bitten off more than I can chew right now, um, but that one and then, and then I think finding my place in the world after that, um, trying to find a job into it's obviously a very challenging job market right now, um, especially for lots of us coming out with um, degrees and reasonably similar things, but just taking those opportunities as I get them and, and hopefully that will lead to something in the future. You're mixing the the hard science with an awful lot of learning about people and facilitation, as you say. Is that is that deliberate or is, is, is that you anyway? I think that's a little bit of me. I love people. I, I, I love like having conversation with people. Um, but I really use my very hard sciences to kind of back up some of my reasons and hope that I'll be listened to in some of those spaces where some people aren't always listened to because they don't have a sciencey background. But for me to like have the conversations and make the statements I do and then back that up with an MSc, hopefully uh, this time next year in geography um, and very much in ice and climate, people might actually listen to some of the things that I'm trying to say. So, yeah, I really like to blend the both. I, I love science. I'm a big science guy. Um, but I really hope that I can use that science to help make some change. And lastly, do you have any advice for our listeners? Oh, just just keep being out there, keep being friendly. Um, like keep holidaying in New Zealand. I, I love the backcountry and I hope you can find it too. I know that I've got friends that are going out there, going to do the great walk, starting to book those that never would have thought about doing that before. So. Um, just get out there and explore probably one of the most beautiful corners of the world while we have it to ourselves. Thank you very much for that. Moira. Matt, there's, um, there's a definite anti-science movement happening in the world at the moment, and um, I believe that the only way that we will sort that out is with people like you who are young and enthusiastic and, and passionate about their science being really good role models and inspiring this generation of kids who are coming through to be the same. So um, thank you for being that person. I think it's really important. And um, the, the answers lie with the young, not with the old, I think. Awesome. Thank you very much. Thank you. And we shall play status quo, whatever you want. But we don't want a status quo. But we're going to play it anyway. We don't. No. <laughs> Thank you. 
to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. Brought to you by the Sustainable Lens Team, which is brought to you by Otago Polytechnic. We're broadcast on Otago Access Radio every weekday afternoon at 3 and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz. You can find us on Facebook and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We had a contribution today from Tahu McKenzie. I'm Samuel Mandan Soyuz Bay Dunedin with Mawira Karatai in Fakatani and from Wanaka, Matt Shepard. We hope you enjoyed the show. Whatever you want, whatever you like. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.